0: Welcome to Doha Debates. Each episode, we explore an urgent issue, present various sides on that issue, and try to see where, if at all, common ground can be found. We hope to bring you a conversation that's well-informed, spirited, but civil and respectful. I'm Karen Given, a broadcast journalist who spent a couple of decades working in sports. And today, we're looking into the ethics of contact sports and asking, when are games too violent to be played? We're gonna evaluate big popular sports like American football, rugby, and mixed martial arts, as well as some emerging competitions. Before we introduce our guests, let's get a little broader overview of the topic. Since the time of ancient gladiators, violence has been a spectacle that has attracted large crowds. Even today in boxing and mixed martial arts, a win sometimes hinges on knocking your opponent out cold or putting them in such physical pain that they bow out in submission. Even in sports where physically harming your opponent is not an explicit goal, some contact sports like rugby, ice hockey, and most notably American football, have had a history of causing concussions and other head trauma. It wasn't until relatively recently the extent of this trauma was widely known or studied. That is until our first guest got involved. Dr. Bennett Amalu has been a pioneer in understanding something called chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE. His work, along with others, has led to new concussion protocols and has opened up the conversation about how to better protect athletes, both professional and amateur. But while advances in athletic equipment and new safety protocols have definitely made sports safer, they still haven't eliminated their fundamental violent nature. And it seems like the world's appetite for violence never abates, with new games like professional slap fighting or shin kicking emerging over the past few years. And yes, those are real sports. So now let me formally welcome our first guest, Dr. Bennett Amalu. He's currently the president and medical director of Bennett Amalu Pathology. He's also a clinical professor of medical pathology and laboratory medicine at the University of California, Davis. And he joins us from California. Welcome, Dr. Amalu. Hi,
1: thank you for having me.
0: Also with us is Babaloa Latsha. She played rugby for South Africa's national team, the Springboks, and she's become the first African woman to professionally sign to a club in 2020. She currently plays for the Harlequins Rugby Club in London, where she just came in from training. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And before we get into the discussion, I should also mention that we have two global listeners who will be joining us a little later in the conversation to offer their perspective and also pose questions to our panelists. Bennett, you've long been on the record as saying that some sports are just too damaging, especially for children. First, can you be specific? Do you think that some sports are simply too dangerous to be played by anyone, or is it that some sports should not be played by children?
1: Well, um, thank you for having me. Again, I've I've always been of the position that no sport should be banned, um, no matter how dangerous, skydiving, deep-sea diving, auto-car racing. But such dangerous sports should be left for adults. Children have not reached the age of consent to make such dangerous decisions. Okay? Now, We are talking about the high-impact, high contact sports. The big six are American football, mixed martial arts, ice hockey, rugby, wrestling, and boxing. Now, it will be interesting to know that in 1957, 11 years before I was born, the American Academy of Pediatrics published a paper in the Pennsylvania Medical Society Journal that no child under the age of 12 should play American football, boxing, and wrestling. In 2011, The American Academy of Pediatrics and the Canadian Society of Pediatrics published another position paper that said parents and doctors should begin to discourage children from engaging in sports whereby blows to the head are inherent to play. So knowing what we know today, for example, American football, in just one season, a child could be exposed to over 1,000 violent blows to the head. We know the human brain is uh, 60 to 80% water. The human brain has no reasonable capacity to regenerate itself. It's what we call a post-mitotic organ. So every injury, no matter how small, even a concussion cannot be treated. Once you've suffered a concussion, you've suffered brain damage. So knowing what we know today, the human society evolves. And as we evolve, we become more intelligent. As we become more intelligent, we give up the less intelligent ways of our past. Mankind of 1880 was far less intelligent than mankind of 2023. 50 years ago, a child could engage in child labor, 50 years ago, a child could smoke, 50 years ago, a child could drink alcohol, but we don't do those things now because we are smarter. So knowing what we know today, okay, based on the status, of science. It is foolish, if not dumb, to let a child whose brain is still developing to engage in violent sport. We need it, it's our duty as adults to protect the most vulnerable of society, the children.
0: All right, let's bring in Babaloa. Some professional athletes make millions and millions of dollars for participating in their sports, but for the most part, these are adults making decisions about their own bodies. Should we be drawing the line and saying that some sports should be off limits to children? Well, I'm of the view that
2: perhaps we shouldn't say that some sports be off limits to children, but we can make the sports child appropriate. Of course, you wouldn't expect a six, seven-year-old to be making real-life tackles in real-life rugby games. For instance, in rugby, we have what is called tag rugby. There is no collisions, no impact whatsoever. The child still gets to play with a rugby ball, but except you pull a tag off of him or her, and the team that pulls off the most tags get to win. So I think that there are so many benefits within the sport, but it has to be appropriate for young children. That, in my view, includes trained coaches who are able to impart skills which hopefully later in life the child would get to play fully professional sports to be able to impart those skills and life lessons and all the benefits that come with playing sport at a young age into those kids so I think we can we can can definitely make these sports and I'm speaking specifically from a rugby point of view that we can we can we are in fact making both men and women's rugby more appropriate and fun and healthy for children. And World Rugby has many policies in place regarding tackle height for teenagers. um, There are various age groups um, whereby a a kid can start playing full contact rugby and with whom they can play. So we can't really, you know, overlook the benefits of playing the sport. If anything, for me, it has given me so much confidence, uh, fun, you know, and we can't keep that away from kids, you know, especially young girls. But we can definitely you know, make the sport much more appropriate for them.
0: I'm curious, at what age did you start playing tackle rugby? And are you worried about the stats that Bennett has told us about today?
2: Yeah, I actually started playing rugby when I was 21. I'm 29 years old now. And admittedly, I have suffered one concussion, which, which is something that we are to be wary of. We we need to be aware of those things, which is why we have a really strict protocol on concussions and how to, well, in inverted commas, treat it and, and get back to playing again. So, you know, in as much as that I love the sport so much, it is worrisome, you know, that we have these stats. But again, you know, in rugby, we're not allowed to tackle anything above the breast. So head shots or neck tackles, are you know, are a serious offense in my sport.
0: Bennett, I want to bring this back to you. Is doing things like playing flag rugby instead of tackle rugby at a young age, does that make you feel better? Are you comfortable with that as a solution?
1: Okay, now I need to congratulate Babawa. She started playing at the age of 21. That is very smart. She started playing as an adult. But having said that, remember what I said, high impact. High contact sport, not all sports. A sporting activity is meant to be regenerative, is meant to be rejuvenating. A sporting activity is meant to build up your humanity, not to rob you of your humanity, not to damage your body. So having said that, there are so many other less contact, less impact. Sports, children can play whereby blows to the head are not inherent to play. For example, I have a 13-year-old son. He plays basketball. My daughter plays volleyball. I have a cousin who plays table tennis. I have another cousin who does cycling. Now, in these games, blows to the head is not part of the play. Would incidental, accidental injuries occur? Of course, accidental injuries occur in every human activity. But what you do is you play very safely, diligently with very strict rules to mitigate and reduce the risk of injury as much as you can. So the question I ask people, how can you make boxing safer? How can you make American football safe, flag or no flag? So instead of calling it flag rugby, why don't you create a completely different game for children to play that is not rugby? What is so unique and special about rugby that you must make it flag? This is 2023. Okay, we are creating artificial intelligence and you're telling me that we cannot create brain friendly sports for children to play, really? I reject yeah. We can do that.
0: Babalo, I wanna take this back to you because as Bennett said, what is the point of something like flag rugby the second the coach's head is turned those kids are going to want to play the way the adults are playing why not just start with brand new sports just sports that don't involve concussions and hits to the head at all well
2: i foresee that to be a little little bit difficult because there is such a huge appetite for these sports within the general public for example in south africa we are world cup winning nation rugby is our bread and butter. It's what we do. Rugby inspires young people and it's loved by young people. You know, we have our first black captain who's won a World Cup. So rugby is the one thing that unites us more than anything, especially in the case of of South Africa. If we were to take that away, what do we replace it with? Because rugby is what inspires kids too. I think the invention of new sports would be rather difficult rather than you know, sort of safeguarding and taking better care of what we already have and the kids in those spaces. So I I would actually like to pose the question to Dr. You know, how difficult would it be then to, to invent a new sport that is not rugby, that is not boxing, that would be as exciting and as beneficial to young people in general?
1: Well, um, thank you so much for your question. But the question you've just asked me is that uh, human beings cannot evolve, that uh, we cannot do better than we did yesterday. Okay, I think that is a a negative way to think. And remember what I said. I did not say rugby should be banned. I did not say any sport should be banned. But children should not play. Has anybody thought that if you don't let children play this game and their brains develop to its full capacity, when they now start playing as adults with their brain capacity intact, they will take these games to levels that we had never seen before. Because when a child starts playing as a child, by the time he becomes an adult, his brain is already compromised. He's not performing at his best. And I use football, American football as an example. Do you know when you play American football in college, in one season alone, you receive about 1,400 violent impacts, some of which are 120 G force. As a society, are we sacrificing the lives of players just for our own transient emotional excitement? And these are the distorted expectations and norms of society we need to push back upon and change. For crying out loud, <laughs>
0: All right. Let's welcome some other voices who care deeply about sports and want to see sports being played responsibly. Nishina Preverlone is from Haiti and is currently joining us from France. Nishina, what's your question for our guests?
3: Also, awesome. Thank you. I would like to ask I know that this question is about playing these sports more safely, but I would ask also for adults, you know, even though that's stronger than kids, than children. I mean, I'm talking as, by example, MMA, mixed martial arts, sports, boxing, you know, that that high contact spots. How can we make that sport safer for others? Because I know we can regenerate, but at some point, our body can take anymore. So what can we do? Do we need to bend this sport in order to protect people? Or can we have more safe foods to protect their body? Bennett, I'm going to let you take that one.
1: So all in the name of freedom and liberty, sports shouldn't be banned. Um, But people need to be educated to have informed consent before they play. For example, for the NFL and college football, I've, I've proposed a scenario whereby at the beginning of every season, there should be an hour or two lecture for the players, for the participants, where an independent expert comes in and lays it bare for them, look, these are the risks you're you're taking by engaging in this type of activity, okay? Our attitude to sports is not rational. It's driven by emotions, you know, uh, cognitive dissonance. Let, let's move away from that, especially when it comes to our children and be objective and protect children. For adults, hey, you want to engage in skydiving, good for you. You want to, to play Russian roulette. Wonderful. Uh, that's your life.
0: Well, I, I want to expand a little bit because, Bablo, you do want to play rugby. And so what is being done to make your sport safer, right? It's a sport that you've chosen as an adult because you have the right to do so. But do you look around your sport and hope for improvement? well
2: the, the the biggest thing for our sport regarding safety is really in the in the rules so some of the responsibility lies within the players themselves the officials and the coaching staff to enforce those rules those go into training as well the type of equipment that we use and so on you know there's been a really large amount of investment in terms of how we we enforce you know those rules in playing like I said, that there are certain parts of the body that you are no longer allowed to hit that in the past you could. So you could in the past you could tackle someone at neck length and you know bang their head, but now you can't do that. That's that's a, a career-ending, you know, sort of um, sanction for the person who does that. So I think that where we're moving towards now in rugby is there's so much big focus on protecting the head and protecting the neck, especially. In so much that we now have a training regimen that includes strengthening our necks, you know, to, 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 to help with those, with those kinds of things. But I think in the near future, in the near future, I think where, to where rugby is headed, in terms of safety and how that is regulated on and off the pitch, in my view, it's getting better and better. Some would say that they prefer, which I'm sure, Doctor much disagree or they much prefer the part of the rugby from 20 years ago. So which means we can be innovative in terms of how we look at our sport, rugby in particular, you know, and how we play
3: it.
0: Nishina, I want to give you a chance to respond to that. What do you think of what our panelists have
3: said? I remembered um that the uh, doctor said about the, the impact in American football that someone can have on in one season. So I'm worrying about the long term, about the life of these players after after these injuries and how long they can play this sport in their career.
0: Yeah. I think I can sum that up to a very simple yes or no question. Bennett, is there any number of concussions that's safe?
1: Well, that, that has been established uh, many, many, many years ago. There is no threshold of risk exposure to... Um, blunt force trauma to the head uh, the human brain that floats almost freely inside the skull 60 to 80% water wasn't designed or created to sustain any type of violent force so what does that mean when you suffer a concussion people need to know this when you suffer a concussion you've suffered brain damage a concussion is brain damage okay and it is a violent blow to the head whereby you have immediate Manifestation of symptoms. Earlier this year, the Boston University came out with a study that showed that 96% was it 96 or 92% of the brains of retired football players they examined had CTE. Okay? But guess what my position is? Because CTE is not the only type of brain damage you suffer, there's a broad variety of brain damage. I think 100% have had evidence of microscopic injury to your brains. Just that 92% will have a CTE. So no matter what sport you play, please first do not damage your brain. That is Malu's position. That's always been my position.
0: All right. I want to bring in another voice who has been listening to this debate since the start. Nicholas Kamanzi is joining from Kigali, Rwanda. Nicholas, what is your question?
4: Thanks. Um, I just liked the last statement of Doctor that, you know, as much as you play, playing, you also need to not harm someone. So my question is somehow aligned to that, in a sense that violent sports like pass lap and, you know, rugby and all that, they all have a certain degree of aggressiveness. And to some people, they tend to turn it into a battle and not just a game. And what do you really think? this uh, sports federation should be doing to avoid that. And my other question is, how do we teach kids, uh, children, and youth not to imitate?
0: Hmm. Yeah. Pablo, why don't you take that first? Yeah, I, I think what can be done
2: really is to educate. I think that's the first really important thing about you know the tenets of the sport, the principles of the sport and the value of it. It's not to be malicious but is to enjoy, you know, a good game of rugby, for example. And um, so I think that there needs to be you no know, serious education around that, including federations, parents, and all other interested people within that space. And the, the truth is sometimes, you know, we imitate sports people that we view to be our heroes. You know, we want to play like the the best rugby player in the world. But again, one needs to then differentiate between being malicious and enjoying the sport for what it brings and, and the values within it.
0: And I'm wondering if there's also a need to educate the fans of the sport, because I don't know about in rugby in South Africa, but I know in the United States and Canada, there are fans of ice hockey who cheer for fights and try to get the players to fight, even though they know that that causes brain damage. Do you see that where you're from?
2: I have to be honest. um, If anything, that is frowned upon in the rugby society, because the rugby is, (laughs) they call it a. you know, a gentleman's game of, of, of some sort. Oddly enough, it's not, it's a, It's more about camaraderie, you know, about friendship, about, you know, mutual respect. You know, those are the core values of rugby. If anything, fights are, are things that are quite frowned upon in our communities. So perhaps in other sports, but in rugby, it, it, really, it really is frowned upon.
0: So... I want to ask this because I know, Bennett, you are on the record for saying that no sport should be banned. So let's not talk about bans, but let's just talk about ethically. Should a sport like slap fighting be allowed? Be Should it exist? Let's not talk about banning it. But ethically, as humans, as good people on the planet, should we say, yes, let's have this sport?
1: So this uh. uh... Policy decisions that should be made by the professionals, the government. My position as a physician is is to care for humanity, and that is why I'm caring for the humanity of a child. If you're an adult and you want to drink five bottles of beer every day, lovely. Let human beings be human beings, okay? So the slapping, the boxing, as an adult, you could do whatever you want to do. Let people exploit you and make money from you. Good for you. But when it comes to children, no. Or the elderly, the two extras. No, I, don't, I wouldn't want an elderly person engaging in the slapping. No, no, no. An elderly is above 65. And so as an epidemiologist, my position, and it hasn't changed. No matter, Many people don't like me because of what I have to say. But if you look at my positions over the decade, it hasn't changed. Children, no, 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 no elderly, no, 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 no. In between, from 21 to 65, oh my gosh. It's a free society.
0: (laughs) Babalo, for you, is there any sport that's just too violent that we just, as humans, should say, no, we choose not to do this sport?
2: Look, I I have to be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of the slapping competition. I'm not entirely sure what it's called. It just doesn't speak to the tenets of sports. You know, I see no real value in terms of, um, you know, the camaraderie around it, the spirit of it, of enjoyment, of fun, allowing your body to move, um, you know, and as Doc said, it be regenerative um, and enjoyable. I personally wouldn't enjoy a slap competition at all. Again, it's it's entirely up to, up to the person, but we also need to you know, sort of to differentiate between sports that we can make safer and sports that we can't at all. I don't know if Doug has a different idea as to how we can make a slap competition safe for children in comparison to, say, for instance, rugby, where we can do away with the contact element completely and let kids play flag or tag rugby, for example.
0: All right, Nicholas, I want to come back to you because your question has inspired quite a debate, and I want to see where you fall in all of this.
4: Well, I think the ball is um, leaning towards an individual and their choices, but I just think it doesn't entirely solve the problem that is here. Perhaps maybe in the future, there will be more rules that will be um, implemented But for now, I just feel like if we are moving the ball towards uh, the choices and if, let's say, people choose to go ahead and and, and play Power Slap, then it's up to them and not me. But don't you think in a bigger picture, you have kids uh, who are actually watching these things and they will try to imitate uh, what they see and grow in in the same uh, energy, uh, try to build their whole life around aggressiveness. May I respond to that? May I? Sure, of course.
1: You know, one life experience I had was when we were doing the movie Concussion. So they started talking about this classification, PG this, PG that, it's above my pay grade. But they made it PG-13 or whatever, and they were wrote that there can be more than one sexual scene, there cannot be any cursing. OK, now, violent movies are made R, ah, right? Is that what it's called? They're for adults only. So in response to what the participant has said, yes, we could come up with intelligent ways, violent sports, high impact, high contact sports, the big six I've just mentioned. You make them, R, ah, meaning you're recommending to parents. That children, until they reach the age of 14 or 15 or 16 or 18, cannot watch such sports and shouldn't be in the field watching such sports. It could traumatize that child and it could make that child have a cognitive distortion that being violent is the way to go. So these are societal issues that we need to collectively and honestly begin to address
0: Papaloa, I want to run that by you because your your sport, rugby, is on Bennett's list of the major six sports that are dangerous. Do you think it's dangerous for kids to watch you play? Well, I don't think I don't think it is.
2: I don't think it is dangerous because of the of course the entertaining nature of it, but also it's, it's if you look at rugby, it isn't all that violent and malicious like slapping or MMA. There's so much to learn from a game of rugby, but in the same breath, I think that parents and caregivers also have an important role to play in what they expose or allow their children to be exposed to, much like watching a movie and a certain type of sport. but in the rugby setup i, I don't I don't see a problem with youngsters coming and enjoying a game of rugby and hope, and hopefully getting to meet their their heroes and so on.
1: You know, respectfully, Babawa said uh, the maliciousness, you know, rugby is a gentleman's game. I disagree. Yes, it is. It is malicious in that you're causing a human brain to undergo a sudden deceleration that will cause shaving injury of the brain. There's no doctor who would deny that. Let us tell ourselves the truth. The truth may be inconvenient, but please let us not deny the truth because of its inconvenience.
0: So I think this is a great time. Do you see if we have any common ground? So Bennett, I'm going to challenge you first. What has Bob Loa said that you agree with today?
1: Nah, uh, she didn't play until she, she done 21. I mean, yeah, my, uh, <laughs> it uh, uh, she's, she's confirming what I have said. You know, uh-huh. Why did she stop playing at the younger age? Exactly. So she confirms my position. All right. Uh-huh. Every other thing she has said, I I don't accept. I'm not saying she's wrong, because that's her opinion. I respect her opinion. I respect her opinion. And I'll be the first to fight and die for her to have her own opinion. But I, I don't accept those. You know, we shouldn't place the excitement of sports over the humanity of sports. Life is too precious for them. What makes you a human being that makes you different from a goat or sheep? Or a dog is your intellect It's the most precious commodity, the highest equity you have outside time in your life. Your brain,
0: Babaloa, Same question for you. What has been it said that you agree with today?
2: Well, of course, the danger of, of high impact sport is quite evident. You know, we know that. But um, my stance, with all due respect, is that we can make these sports safer for younger people. We can't, well, I wouldn't want to take that opportunity away from them to participate in them, but definitely do make it or tailor make it to be suitable for for younger individuals.
1: If I may add something, you know, I really respect you, Baba Law, I do. Because look at what you've said. Let's make this sport safer. You did not say let's make them safe. Can you make fire safe? No. But if you make fire safe and put it in a lighter, it is still fire to burn it. Some applies to high impact, high contact spots. But the good thing is that there's no alternative to fire, but the alternatives to high impact, high contact spots.
0: Babalua, I wanna just give you the chance to have the final word if you want it.
2: Well, gosh. in, in conclusion, I must say that it's been a really interesting conversation to have. I think it has actually you know, opened up you know, my mind to, to different ideas. Or ways of thinking about sports in general, but with that being said, I very much do enjoy playing rugby. I've been playing it for many years, and it has given me a life. I really think it's about it's about enjoyment. You know, it's about seeing the world. It's about changing. You know, narratives and lives of of young people in a responsible manner. So yeah, I very much enjoy rugby, and I hope to enjoy it for many more seasons to come. <laughs>
0: All right. I think we're going to have to leave it there. My thanks to all of our guests today, Dr. Bennett Amalu, joining us from California, Babaloa Lacha, joining us from London, and our global listeners, Nishina Prevelon joining us from France, and Nicholas Carmanzi, joining from Rwanda. We should mention that Nicholas is a Doha Debates ambassador. To find out more about that program, visit DohaDebates.com. Thanks for listening to Doha Debates. I'm your host, Karen Given. Doha Debates is a production of Qatar Foundation. Our podcast is produced by FP Studios and Doha Debates. Our producers include Daniel Dazzi, Rosie Julian, Claudia Tady, and Katrine Dermody. Special thanks to James Woolley. FP Studios Managing Director is Rob Sachs. Our executive producers are Jafit Weeks, Amjad Tala and Jigar Mehta. To learn more about Doha Debates, please head to DohaDebates.com, where you can find out more about our podcasts, short films, upcoming events, and more. And please, if you like our podcast, follow and share your reviews. Thanks for listening.